I'm Andrew Weinrich, and I'm here with Jeremy Levy. This is Deciding My Data. Each week, we will interview a leader in a different space and explore with them how they have leveraged data and analytics to build and transform their organization, bringing you the inside story behind the growth of successful data-driven businesses. Today, we're interviewing David Rose. I've had the good pleasure of knowing David for probably 20 years. He's one of the seminal figures in the New York startup ecosystem. He is the chairman emeritus of the New York Angels and probably the most prolific angel investor I know in New York, including as an investor in a company that Jeremy and I co-founded called Indicative. He's also the founder and CEO of Gust, a SaaS platform that connects startups with investors. David likens the ease of fundraising on Gust to applying for college with the Common App. So far, half a million companies have chosen to fundraise on Gust. We'll start our conversation asking David about how data can inform angel investments. Later on, we'll discuss how Gust is changing the investment landscape. David, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Um, David, we talked about before, the, the idea of this podcast is to really drill down and understand how certain verticals are being completely disrupted by the use of data. And I'd love to talk with you about your perspective on angel investing. Let's go back to your earliest investments and talk about how they were made. And then we're going to transition and talk about how you're thinking about investments now and, and your use of data in, uh, in how you consider uh, and evaluate your investments. Sure. I mean, I, I think this is a very timely podcast because the question is very timely. Um, what we are seeing is a fundamental change in, in the world. And business is part of the world, so it's a fundamental change in business, and investing is part of business, so it's a fundamental change in investing. What we are seeing is the exponential advance in technology. It's the whole Ray Kurzweil singularity, technology is doubling every 18 months, Moore's Law kind of uh, world. Um, and what this means is that as everything is increasingly moving to technology, uh, because it is tech-based, it is therefore monitorable, because it is monitorable, you therefore have data, whether primarily gathered or as data exhausts, as Josh Kaufman would, would put it. And so now you have a world for the first time in history in which everything comes down to data. And so therefore, historically, if you look at any kind of decision, what to do, where to sell, what product to offer, whether to invest, how much to put in, anything, any, and probably even down to how you, whether you should get married, right? I mean, every, every single decision that anybody, any human has ever made is boils down to, I have certain inputs and that input can be my eyes. It can be a gut feeling. It can be my experience. It can be whatever. And based on those inputs, I'm going to make a decision. Let's roll back a little bit. What are the criteria when you started investing? What were the criteria by which you analyzed an investment? Well, ultimately, angels are the earliest, earliest, earliest outside investment in a company. The very first cash for any kind of startup comes from the entrepreneur, him or herself, because if you don't have the vision and the faith to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur, nobody else is going to invest, right? So that's, you know, sight unseen, you're the first cash in. The second cash then comes from, once you're out of cash, people who are investing not because it's a good business or they know anything at all about it, but because they know you and love you. That's your friends and family, right? They're not making a considered investment decision, even if they think they are. They're making a love, passion decision. They're investing to help you because of you. They trust you, whatever. 
So after that comes angels. Angels are the first outside arm's length investment. And we as angels are looking to invest in the company in order to make a lot of money. Now, we invest at the earliest stages, often or always, before anything is proven, because if it was proven, it would be a later stage investment. So at the early stage, companies are just starting. Now, that just starting is getting later and later in the process. It used to be an idea and then a business plan and then you know the basis of a beta product and so on and so forth. Today, it is so relatively inexpensive to start a company that you're starting later in the process. That, um, so you probably have a product, you probably have customers, maybe even have revenues or whatever. Uh, and so, so, so you're evaluating. So you look at, in full disclosure, David. David is an, an investor in Indicative, the company that Jeremy and I co-founded. The the you're looking in the past. You looked at the founder, whether or not you believed in the market space, but there wasn't a great deal of due diligence, right? It wasn't. You weren't. You weren't there, there, no, there, there, right. Correct. There was. There was because the company was so new and so little, right? There was no history, no track record of anything. Because even if it was operating, you had no access to that data because it wasn't being tracked. And so historically, angel investing has been a very much of a gut. Is, my, is this industry going to grow? Do I think this team, is this the entrepreneur I'm going to back? Is this Andrew Weinrich or is this some wannabe? So, uh, so has that changed? Has that, has that idea at the earliest stage where there's not a great deal of data to ingest because you're, you're betting on a founder and the founder's description of a market opportunity, has that fundamental proposition changed or is, there, is today there's some data that you're assessing, you're... Um, you're running the background of the entrepreneur through some algorithm or you're evaluating. Is, is, is anything different today for that earliest yes. stage investment? The, well, what, what's interesting is that there is a real difference today. Uh, and what's coming down the pike is something much more exciting and even much more different. So let's, let's start with today. Historically, you were looking at, because it was an idea, there was nothing to track at all. You were investing really early stages because an entrepreneur couldn't start their company without the investment. So all you had to go on was a pitch deck and the entrepreneur, right? And that's when and we knew over time, we came to realize that, you know, at the earliest stages, so much depended on the entrepreneur. It was called betting the jockey, not the horse. You almost didn't care what the business plan said if you were betting on the right entrepreneur. And in reality, that has actually held. So that today, that still continues. I want to bet on Andrew Weinrich, one of the world's great entrepreneurs, right? Um, and so... Uh, that's still a really important part. But what has happened is because it has gotten almost paradoxically so much easier to start a company, companies that are coming for angel investing actually for the first time have something. You have a product done. You've got a team. You could be a dispersed team. And, 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 the, re and the reason for that is because the cost of development has, has plummeted so dramatically over the years. Is that right? Or? No, absolutely. It's, it's not just a question of, of development. It's basically everything, development, operations, team building, the ability to have a, a remote team, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? Every part of the process of starting a company has gotten less and less and less expensive, which means that it's available to more and more and more people, which means that you have a larger group of companies to choose from. And the companies that ultimately are that, you know, one, two, three percent of companies uh, that get invested in by angels, um, are companies that have gotten a lot farther down the road than historically, which means they actually have customers, they have product, they have visitors. So what's and the what's data? What's the data you ingest? If if we just take those three those three areas you talked about, there are there's product, there's customers, there might be revenue, but still we're talking about from an angel's perspective, it's still incredibly early on, and and 
in order for the data to mean anything, you would need to somehow or another compare it to other startups. I mean, maybe you can- oh, Correct, but, but hold on a second. Historically, the data wasn't there. Historically, a company was so young, it hadn't gotten, and you couldn't start it until you had the money. The company, since the company hadn't started, there was no data anywhere, which wasn't available, right? So the only thing you had to go on was the, your gut take on the entrepreneur, on the business and the market and so on and so forth, right? Now, because companies actually have gotten started, you can now look for the word that is so critical to investors and such a nightmare for entrepreneurs, which is traction. So you will now hear from every entrepreneur, every uh, early stage investor, they're looking for traction. Historically, a company couldn't have traction because it couldn't get started without it. Now that you can get started without it, traction, and which is a very loosey-goosey term, uh, is the key. And what we mean by that is to say, okay, you've now managed on your own or with friends and family to get something into the market, to get something out there. People have seen what you have. People have tried what you have. So now let's look for the T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N. And traction can mean anything from you know, people, you know, profitable revenues to revenues to number of people visiting your site, to the number of people converting in your funnel, to retention, to, uh, you know, NPS scores, to net promoter scores, to, uh, you know, anything. Because once you actually have a company that is doing anything and interacting with customers, assuming you instrument that appropriately, you can now track things. And the traction that we want to see is something that it's in, out of, it's in the market and it's interacting with users and like the wheels on a car gripping the road and moving forward, that things are moving. Now, how you define traction will differ from every company. But, but, but you know, are, are, you, are you saying that today the traction that the analysts, that the angels, I'm sorry, not the analysts, the angels are looking for is measurable much the same way in 1990 or in 2000, the Series A investors or the Series B investors could look at traction. It's not that there's more data. It's just that the, the stage at which the angels have in, are investing is, uh, is later from an operational perspective. No, it, it, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a double whammy. It's a double barrel thing, right? First of all, companies are coming to us uh, because it is cheaper to get started. Companies are coming to us at a later stage, or at least the ones that get invested are getting invested at a later stage. They have more that they are doing, right? The fact that they are doing more means they've actually interacted with the market, which they didn't do before. So now you have a company that has interacted with the market. That's number one. Number two is the fact that because the market interaction is now all in every single case happening online in ways that now can be actually instrumented as a standard of, of course, you know, you know what your Google Analytics are. You know how many people have seen, you know, what your CPM are. You know what your what your CPA is. You you can track things, um, you know, with all kinds of, you know, current software. Uh, you can track things like your, uh, you know, customer acquisition cost and your lifetime value and your net promoter score and your conversion rate. And these are things that would have been very arcane even, you know, 10 years ago uh, and required specialized custom kind of stuff. But today, with all of the, the, the fact that anything you do online in the cloud, uh, you know, everything you do is going to be in the cloud and digital, and anything you can do digitally is going to be, by today, default instrumented, then all you need is the analytics software at the other end to be able to track all this. So companies are more advanced, they're more instrumented, you have more access to the data, and it's now therefore expected. So if we were to carry this forward, and you were looking at investing in, and I'm going to come up very antiquated example, if you were interested in investing in a pet food company that was selling online, 
wouldn't you need, I appreciate the fact that today, if you have the benefit of looking at a perspective investments, Google analytics, and you didn't have that perspective, it, it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you're obviously better off today, but where you're taking us is in order for you to turn this into a science, you really would need to see every single pet company, right? Because what you would want is this presumption that there will be a winner or several winners and then you would want to stage compare the CPA, the lifetime value, the churn across all the startups in that space. Is, ah, it, is, now, that, okay. right. is that where you're taking us? Yes, but you're actually halfway. That's the halfway part. <laughs> the, so, so right now, if you take a look at things like uh, that, that Jason Lemkin is doing with the Sastra Conference, which has grown out of nowhere to be one of the most important conferences in the industry, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people coming to San Francisco, you know, every year all in the SaaS business. Um, you now have metrics that all the major VCs are putting out and all a lot of the cloud guys are putting out. So you can see today what the benchmarks are for the winners, right? All the guys that were the unicorns and the, and the near unicorns, the ones that have gotten the investments, they're publishing a lot of those metrics out there today in terms of, of you know, uh, time to, you know, X percentage of whatever and, and uh, you know, LTV and CAC and all those track numbers. They're, they're, and they're publishing that they're publishing that where they are today, not where they were when they were. Well, no, no, they're right. publishing that historically. Uh, so I think I, I mean there are a bunch of, of benchmark surveys that you got can it. Get. So the the benchmark is you would you you you're now in a position to stage compare these startups to what a Correct. unicorn would Correct. be. Correct. And, and so 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 a good part of, of Sester uh, of the conference this past year was was saying oh you know these VCs saying okay here are the profiles of the last 25 unicorns right here's how long it took them to get to this get to that get to something else a million customers their first you know was Series A blah whatever right. Um, and so if you, are, if you, whoever startup you are, are matching these metrics, I've got to take a serious look at you, right? So what you have today is everybody is being uh, instrumented, number one, and you have the metrics and the winners, number two, right? So, so, that kind, so that's the, and then taking a larger swath of that is the step that you were going to, which is a step and a half. Where things are going to beyond that is really insanely interesting. And that's the kind of stuff that we're working on here at Gust. Because as uh, you might know, I actually know you know, um, we have a product called Gust Launch, which uh, was announced at the end of June. And so Gust Launch is a company as a service. It is a software as a service, a SaaS platform designed for high growth entrepreneurs that lets them press a button and set up and run their entire high growth company. So we incorporate them in Delaware, service their registered agent, file with the IRS, set up their bank account, their credit card, their payment processing system, handle um, their accounting and bookkeeping, and handle everything, integrate everything, do it automatically, and starting at a, at a price starting at 99 bucks a month. We're going to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn more about one of Gust's latest offerings, Gust Launch. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. Indicative enables marketing and product teams to do sophisticated behavioral analysis across all of their customers' digital touch points without the need to rely on data scientists. To learn more, go to indicative.com or email info at indicative.com. Welcome back to Deciding by Data. We're here with David Rose, founder and CEO of Gust, a platform that connects entrepreneurs to funding. 
David and I were just talking about Gus's new product, Gus Launch. David, tell us more about how this new product works. What Gus launches that I was just describing, we introduced literally at the end of June, and it's this company as a service um, for all of these startups that now want to get started. And what we do is automate the entire process of starting up a high growth company. And because we are doing that and at, at scale and automated, it literally is a, a fraction, one-tenth the cost if you were to try and do it yourself by going to a, a law firm or anything else. We're working with most of the major law firms in the country. It's a truly a disruptive but, but I, I'm curious. I, I th- it, it, it sounds terrific. I'm, I'm curious whether or not when we, when we go back to tracking and using data to predict the success of a startup. That's exactly you- where I'm going. And that's why it's so cool. Because on the one hand, what you have is a disruptive platform for entrepreneurs, right? Start your company this way. It's 10 times faster, 10 times cheaper, 10 times quicker than any other way, right? But the data exhausts from Gus launch. Having done that, you now have automatically from day one, your entire company up and instrumented from before you even started. Every bit of your cap table, every credit card charge, everything on your bank account, all of your payment processing, all of your Google Analytics and indicative of everything is all tied together automatically from the very beginning. So, so let's what- take let's take an example. Let, let's let's imagine that I want to go back to the unicorns and you having the data. And I'm wondering whether you're gonna you're you are gonna say, okay. Uber has exposed from inception their traction on revenue, their traction on page views. Well, that's page views. They were an, an, an app exclusively. So their, their traction on, uh, on traffic or repeat customers. And I'm wondering whether you're going to tell me you're going to define a vertical. And maybe that vertical is, is, doesn't have to be so limited as uh, ride sharing. But maybe it is. Maybe it's ride sharing. And then if a company participates in Gus Launch and you were able to ingest all of the data from the successful uh, acceleration of Uber and Lyft, whether you can tell me, Andrew, your startup is doing 10% as well as Uber was, or in fact, you are outperforming Uber between year two and three, but you underperform between year one and two. Is that... Exactly. The answer is yes, exactly. And that's what I said, you were going halfway there, right? So that's the halfway point say, we've now benchmarked all these winners. We now have total data. You have, we, we acting as your agent, have total data for you that we can give you on how you track against these benchmarks, right? That's great. But the next step, the last step, the insanely cool step is that once you now have all of these companies instrumented from the very get-go on a platform that is the only logical way for them to get started because it is better, faster, cheaper, and so on and so forth, and you do this at scale, and you have hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of companies starting and operating on a totally instrumented platform, what you then have is real-time analytics of everything on the entire industry. And now you can begin to apply cash at that, not as an additional piece of data that you're looking at to make your personal decision. You can begin to automate it. And that's where it gets really, really insane. And so no, I'm not going to pronounce anything right now, but all I can tell you is that imagine doing this at scale where you have hundreds or thousands of companies being started in real time every month, every you know few months. And now you have 
or investors who are prepared to say, okay, we know what met, what good metrics look like. We know we want to invest in companies that actually have revenue that where they have you know a, a better than three to one you know LTV to CAC ratio and so on and so forth. So as long as the company is on this platform that's being instrumented, as minute it actually hits those numbers and those numbers begin to show up, hey, bingo, we're prepared sight unseen to invest in that company on these terms. And so what you will then have is automatic investing across the entire industry. And that's where things get really exciting. David, how do you, using Andrew's example, how do you get Uber's data into Gust? Well, so so first of all, in terms of the, the big ones, the big unicorns and so on, the mega successes, those are all published. Those are all public data now, right? So but they're, not, can, but they're, not, they're not published from the perspective of, let me share with you, Uber's Google Analytics, maybe that's not the best sure. example. Not, but, not, 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 not on a granular basis. But don't but you need that? I mean, that, that would be the home run. I mean, if we're, if we're just blue skying here. Yeah, but, but, but again, the question is, what can you get? Right now, you can do, you can, there are published analytics on, on major stuff, right? Um, you know, length of time to everything from this to a certain investment, length of time to a certain customer intake or, or whatever, right? But the advantage of doing stuff with Gus, with stuff like Gus Launch, where you're automatically getting this data from everybody. Now, it's got to take away for the, a while for the unicorns to wind their way through the system. And maybe you don't get unicorns. Maybe you get you know, gazelles who are really fast growing kinds of things. But you, once you have this in a system, which is automatically acquiring 100% of the data for a company, and you're tracking everything from its uh, financial data to its product data, to its investment data, and you run that out for some period of time, six months, a year, two years, five years, pick a number, right? You now have accumulated an extraordinary amount of data for many companies that are gonna fail and a few companies that are gonna be rocket ship successes and many companies somewhere in the middle. And now you can begin to do things with big data analytics across a much larger data set and begin to do those automatic investing. David, are you putting that information that is public into Gus now, or is that something that you're going to be doing in the future? No, that, that'll, be, that'll be future stuff. So, so, so right now, remember, this is early days. The, the product just uh, launched at the end of June. Um, so you're, you're now beginning to get companies created on the platform. Now, the, the, admittedly, the cycle time for companies to get created and grow is much faster than it has been historically. So you're just now seeing companies begin to get product into the market and so on. And so, you know, give this, you know, six months, 12 months. When you begin to see companies really going out for their outside investment rounds and so on, and ones that have developed traction have real traction, uh, and then you'll be able to have all these these metrics on platform. And whether or not they're they are interested in publishing them, that's okay as long as you have anonymized data that you can now benchmark. Um, you could begin to to do both see how you're doing yourself against your cohort, the industry, your region, whatever. And investors can begin to make automated decisions without having to see your confidential data, which gets really fascinating. David, why would a company like Uber be motivated to share their data with Gust? Because the the import, first of all, the important thing here is not getting the unicorns ex post facto to share their data, is to get everybody to share their data from day one, right? And, and because it's going into the platform. Uh, your point is, is that the next Uber would have, perfect. it's not that you're going to get Uber to, to backdate or to. No, you have to publish stuff from the existing guys, which you can use for gross level you know, analytics. And you'll get the detailed stuff from everybody going forward, which can be kept anonymous without publishing it per se, but still used for benchmarking. So your, your vision of the future is at some point we get to a place where people that want to invest in startups, you would say to them, um, I I'm curious whether you even say to them, tell me the verticals that you're interested in or whether you would simply say, uh, I've assessed the, the risk profile of all of these investments and 
here's what you will return, barring uh, some. Listen, you guys know analytics as well as anybody on the planet, right? And and so once you have a startup with every single thing instrumented, I mean every single thing. From, the, from every dollar invested to every dollar of revenue to every dollar spent to every employee to every everything, when you have 100% data and you can begin to do it, when you have it on one company, that's really interesting. When you have it on 1,000 companies or 10,000 companies, that's big data, that's scale, right? And then you can apply you know, all kinds of AI and expert systems, and, and then you can interface that with human beings at whatever level you want. You can say, okay, what's your thesis? Is your thesis the Internet of Things will be really big? Okay, fine. So what are you looking for in the Internet of Things company? What kind of benchmarks are you looking for? And you can do it that way. Or you can play a totally automated hand and say, okay, it doesn't matter what industry you're, you're looking to invest in. You only want to have companies that have got traction that have gone from, you know, to their first 100,000 revenue, um, you know, within six months and, and then, uh, you know, scale on, a, on an ongoing basis month over month from that. Or whatever, however you want to define it so you can add the human being in it or you can, you'll be able to ultimately sit back and let the machine do the work. I understand if I'm a startup, why I would want access to all this data. I also understand why I'd want access to your best-in-class services for my startup to access. But if 99.9% .9 of startups underperform their projections, why would I want to make my data available to the outside world? Or is your perspective that this is going to be forced upon you, entrepreneurs? You're now going to be a... a, a um, assessed in this larger context, whether you like it or not? The answer is the latter. Yes, it's going to happen because once the data is out there, people are investors are going to demand it. It's happening today, right? I mean, no investor today is going to invest without asking for your revenues, your traction, your conversion rates, so on and so forth. But are, right? investors, are investors astute enough today to say, you know, on the angel side, how granular are, how sophisticated are you seeing angels with Nah, listen, angels today are not as sophisticated as you know as VCs and you know and the PE guys. That being said, they're getting you know, with with platforms uh, that are making more and more of this data available. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist just to look at a chart or look at a graph of, of three companies and say this one on this platform has got you know more than the other one. But 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 the point I'm making is that the data will be available because as you do more things like Gus launch that are automatically making the data available to the company. Without the company publishing its particular data saying, hi, this is company XYZ and here's my data, it'll be the other way around. You, you can anonymize the data for the company and the company can say, okay, let me be searchable by, some, by an investor who is looking for a company with these metrics. And so investors will be able to invest on metrics and analytics without knowing the existing the, the company until they're ready to make that investment. And so it's going to turn, turn things upside down and be really fascinating. Will you look at other data points? You know, for example, if David Rose is an investor, he opens up his, his network, that increases the likelihood of success. That's beyond the, that's got nothing to do with the, the founding team. It's got nothing to do with the fundamentals sure, of the business. Yeah. And, but, but, but again, with everything, you keep in mind, every, when I say everything is instrumented, I mean everything is instrumented. Remember that, that because Gus Launch is running your cap table, the system ultimately knows, you know, and, and obviously this is totally confidential. You're not going to broadcast your cap table to anybody. But what you can, what the system can ultimately do for you as the entrepreneur is to effectively provide a score in your cap table. Hey, you've got David Rose and Andrew Weinrich investing, and these guys each have records of animals. Therefore, score them higher than, you know, X, Y, or Z, right? And so you will be, but the point I'm making is that with everything instrumented from the beginning, lock, stock, and barrel, things that are, are tangible, numeric, things that are even relationship-based or network-based 
whatever is, you will have the ability to make investments on purely statistical means and only at the very end of the day say, oh, it's company X. I got you. I have two more areas I want to pursue um, and see if Jeremy wants to ask um, anything before we wrap. One is, is it in Gust's future to set up a fund? <laughs> we have, we have, you know, I've been asked that many, many, many times. And I, and, and do I want to do a venture fund or, or uh, you know, certainly, I mean, Angelus has now got a fund and Seed Invest has got a fund and a lot of folks have got a fund. But, but all of those funds are predicated on the intuitions of the principles. What you're talking about, what I'm asking you about is not whether Gus so set up my, a fund. So I, I never, A, I never preclude anything and B, I don't comment on unannounced products. That being said, I, I don't see Gus itself necessarily setting up a fund. I absolutely positively see Gus technology and data and the platform being used to facilitate funds. To facilitate um, and, algorithmic investing. Is that what yeah, you're, so I, you're, you're, you're envisioning a future where, where investing in startups becomes really almost like program trading. Is that, am I taking it too far uh, or is that? Uh, no, you're not. because And, and that, that, remember, with programmatic trading online, you can only do that at a certain scale because there are only 5,000 publicly traded companies in the, all the United States of America, right? And on Gust today, we are adding between 10 and 12,000 companies every month onto the platform. So today, with 500,000 companies on Gust, there are 100 times as many companies on Gust today as there are totally traded public companies in the United States of America. So now, now, as you run that through over time with Gus Launch, with companies being incorporated here, and you have that, so the minute you get to 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 companies on the platform, you now have the ability to do all kinds of stuff you couldn't even do with public algorithm trading. David, are there any trends that you can tell us about that that you can already see? I mean, we appreciate you haven't launched this, this holy grail, but it, just with the existing data, is there... Are there trends you can, for people listening, if you're thinking about investing, this is what David Rose sees through across this band of, of tens of thousands of, of startups. So, so the, the interesting thing is that you know, at this early, early stage, you can't really draw data from those because we don't have those. Remember, we only launched this thing, launch, launch in the end of June. So we have hundreds, not thousands of companies on the platform now, right? Uh, and so and those companies themselves are just brand new companies just getting started. But what I can tell you looking at this as an investor um, and that's the whole theme of this podcast, which is that analytics is the future. Um, and whether the analytics are uh, in and of themselves, the way you're going to invest with an algorithmic fund, whether the analytics are letting you, you know, fine tune and hone down whatever your investment thesis is, but the, the, it is now going to be taken for granted. It is today, frankly. Any investor looking at any company today, the very first thing they're going to do is say, show me your analytics. Do you have traction? What is it? You know, what's your acquisition cost? All, and all the things that were leading edge you know, five years ago or even three years ago are now today taken for granted. So we are in a data-driven economy today, and that's just going to double down and get more and more and more so. David, uh, this has been fantastic. Thanks for your time. It's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to Deciding by Data. I'm Andrew Weinrich. My co-host is Jeremy Levy. This podcast was produced and edited by Lauren Feiner and Esmeralda Martinez. Our music is by Chris Zabriskie. New episodes are released each week. Tune in next week when we speak with Pyle Kadakia, founder and executive chairwoman of ClassPass. Pyle will share the data insights that helped her transform the fitness industry. This is Deciding by Data.
This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. For more episodes of Deciding by Data, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app, or visit decidingbydata.com to subscribe to our newsletter. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review or follow us on Twitter at Deciding by Data.